Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Carrie Carbonaro. Carrie, are you ready to do this? I am so ready. Thank you, George. Excellent. Carrie is an award-winning, internationally known personal finance expert. She is a certified financial planner with an MBA in finance and has over 25 years in financial services. She's also the author of The Money Queen's Guide for Women Who Want to Build Wealth and Banish Fear. I'm excited to have you on. Carrie, tell us a little bit about your personal life and your path in financial services. Sure. So um, you mean how I actually got started in financial services? Yeah. Sure. So, well, my dad was worked for J.P. Morgan Chase, which was, you know, still a big money center bank in New York, uh, based in New York. And so at a young age, he was always teaching me about money, like at a crazy young age. I was the oldest daughter. There was no sons. And so me and my dad bonded over money. Uh, we did money things. We went to um, events like foreclosure auctions and we went to um, straight talk with the Dolans, which is really aging me if you know who they are. Um, we did um, take your daughter to work day before there was take your daughter to work day because that came in the 80s and he used to take me in the 70s. So I was super young and very involved with learning about personal finance. You know, and so by the time I was 18, I probably knew more than most people do with an entire lifetime. So it was very exciting that I could actually go into the field of money and follow in my dad's footsteps since he was a banker. So I started my first right out of college. I well worked as a summer intern in J, at J.P. Morgan Chase, and then right out of college, I went into their management training program. So that's how the whole thing started. Got it. That's a, an uncommon childhood. I, I, I it is. have to say, <laughs> he was he was grooming you to get into the business early on. Yes, yes. All right, and now twenty five years later, with a wealth of experience, um, what motivated you to write your book? So, a couple things, uh, actually, two different scenarios of why. One was um, that I wanted to share my story of my divorce and what happened to me with the world as kind of a cautionary tale of that I don't want this to happen to you. And so I had a very powerful story um, about what happened to me, um, some bad, pretty bad stuff. And the, the, the point is, I felt like if it could happen to me, who knows everything about money, it can certainly happen to anyone um, where I was, you know, had financial infidelity and a whole bunch of other stuff done to me pretty much almost lost everything um, and came back from it. So that's my cautionary tale that I like to share. Um, and there's a lot more in the book and there's a lot more that they took out of the book that maybe will be in the second book. But um, that's the first thing. And then the second thing was, you know, I've spent a big long career, you know, working uh, with women, not exclusively, but a majority of my clients are women. And so, um, I, and also couples. And I have seen so many things that they've done right and wrong over the past, you know, X amount of years that I wanted to sort of put that in there as well. Like what, and then we divided it in my sister, my sister came up actually with the, you know, divided into decades, what you should do in your twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. Um, 
and people or 60s and beyond. Um, and then p- some people say to me, you know, well, you didn't do, why didn't you do 70s, 80s and 90s? And I'm like, you know what? Because if you haven't done anything by 70s, 80s and 90s, it might be too late. Because all you have is time and time is the only thing that, that will help you. So anyway, that's how that's how I decided. And then we, we broke up the book into the different decades. Well, I had the opportunity to read it and I very much enjoyed it. So I can personally vouch for the value in it and a lot of good practical ideas. And I always I always appreciate when people share personal experiences, even though it, it was potentially one of the worst and most painful things you've ever personally gone through. I think that really helps people to connect. So I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm one of those people who, you know, um, wear my heart on my sleeve and I am incredibly open. And I just think that it's, you know, to make yourself vulnerable is, you know, how people can connect with you. Because if I didn't go through an experience like that, I don't know if people would be taking my advice as much. It, since I've been there and been in worse situations than potentially they've been in, that's why I think people will listen to my advice. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. And I don't know that there's too many people that are walking around on the face of the earth that haven't had some kind of issue with money or relationships. And so if, if you're holding yourself out that I'm perfect and I've never had any issues, then I don't think that people are necessarily going to believe you. So I think people <laughs> want to listen to and, and, and work with people that they can identify with. So so I, I appreciate that. And again, I really enjoyed the book. So Thank you, George. Um, going back to the book or getting into it a little bit, you, you reference this idea of designer bag ladies. Tell yes. us a little bit about that. So it's so interesting because um, – with women, you either have the bag lady fear or not. And believe it or not, more than 50% of women actually have that bag lady fear. Um, and it could be rational or irrational. It doesn't matter. That's what a fear is. Um, so you would think if somebody was a successful woman that they would not have that fear. What Am I mean? right? What do you mean or, bag and what lady you, fear? And what, well, the bag lady fear is that um, if you don't know what it is because you're a man <laughs> – But women who have it, the bag lady fear is, oh, my God, I am going to be penniless, homeless and on the street. That is the bag lady fear. And it's super strong and it's very real, even though it might not be real. It feels real. So um, what what is that that designer bag lady? Okay, so I would consider a woman successful if she makes and, and of course, everything's depends where you live and your standard of living and all that kind of stuff. But, um, a wealthy woman in the top percentage, top percentile would be making over 200,000. So you would think that somebody, a woman making 200,000 would be successful and comfortable and not have the bag lady fear, right? Yeah. Okay. Except that Allianz did a study on this and they came up with 27% of those women that make over 200,000 have the bag lady fear. And I'm actually one of them. So um, my therapist coined the term, Carrie, you're not a bag lady, you're a designer bag lady. (laughs) And actually he called it the Gucci bag lady, but of course I couldn't use that term because Gucci wouldn't give me the rights. So we turned it to designer bag lady, but I like Gucci bag lady better. But anyway, (laughs) so what that means is you can afford designer bags and you have should have enough money to take care of yourself, but you're still worried you're going to be penniless and homeless on the streets. Got it. You said it was 27%. Yes. Well, that's crazy, right? That is super high. Pretty big number. Well, 
Fair enough. Talk a little bit about the challenges that are facing women regarding money that are potentially unique to women. Yeah, we have a lot. Women have so many strikes against them. Um, I'll just go through some of them. Um, One is the pay wage gap. Women make less than men. And it's, you know, we're trying to close it every year. We have what's called pay equality day. And every year it gets closer to um, beginning of January, like it was like April 15th, and then it's like April 4th. This year, I think it might be April 1st. So that's how many days you have to work to to get pay equity with men. So we have that issue. Everybody knows it exists. Um, we're working on it. Everybody's working on it. But, you know, it may take another 20 years to get pay equity. So that's one issue. Second issue is women are savers, but not investors. And that's a generalization. So what that means is that women feel comfortable with hold, holding or hoarding cash rather than investing. So, you know, I could have a client, let's say with a million dollars in the bank, and I cannot get her to invest that money because she feels like safety in the bank. Mm. Now, what happens with that is over time, she's losing principal because she's not keeping pace with inflation. She's paying taxes on that little bit of interest that she's earning. And really, in order to outpace inflation, you need to be investing for the long term. So that's another issue. The most important strike against women is the longevity. Women live so much longer than men. So if you put a man and a woman, same age, same health, next to each other, a woman would need more money than the man, not less, because she's going to live longer. So she's got a longer time frame. And what I tell people is, you know, let's say you 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 know start work in your 20s and you retire in your 60s. And you are now 60s living to 100, you could be potentially um, retired for longer than you worked. And that is a crazy thing when you think about it. And then plus you have to save for a 40 year time frame. Um, And I think a lot of women, well, what I've seen is a lot of women are not actually thinking about this, you know. They're really thinking, you know, somebody else is going to take care of this for me. You know, maybe the man, maybe the maybe your father, whatever. But it's not my responsibility. It's somebody else's. And that's what I don't want women to do. I want women to take ownership of it themselves because 95 percent of women will be on their own at one point in their life, either through being divorced or widowed or single or whatever the reason may be. Um, you, they need to be able to you know, take care of themselves financially and fund their own retirement. Um, and then another strike against them is women are not working as long because they're caregiving. So they're either out having children or out taking care of family members who are sick. So the caregiving always falls on them. So that's another strike against them because they're out of the workforce. And then they also have less social security and because they're working less and they make less. And so it just compounds. So a lot of strikes. Those are a lot of very, very real issues that people need to be talking about and thinking about. The longevity risk piece is a huge one for men and women because as we live longer, we need a lot more money saved. And it's so true that women factually are going to live longer than men. So it's a bigger, even bigger issue for them. So out of all the different challenges that, that, that we face, can you, you think about or what are your thoughts on what really keep women up at night if, if there was one thing? Um, I would say based on my experience is will I run out of money? 
but that's not just women. It's also men, I think, but it's, it's more women than men. But what's, what's really interesting in my experience is that a woman does not wake up in the middle of the night and say, Oh my God, I need to hire a financial planner. Women never think like that. They hire a financial planner when there's a crisis in their life. Somebody dies, there's a death, there's a divorce, there's losing of a job. All something, all bad things is when a woman says, oh my God, I need a financial planner. Where a man is, you know, he could just wake up in the middle of the night and say, things are starting to get complicated. I need somebody, I need professional help. I need somebody to look at this. And so men and couples come to me when there's not a, a crisis. Women come to me when there is which means they're more emotional and in a more vulnerable state. What would you say that the biggest opportunity for improvement for a woman is with their financial lives? Is it being proactive like you were just saying or? Well, I mean, even if you're not ready to hire somebody because you don't know or you, maybe even you're embarrassed. I mean, I always say sometimes it's like, you know, if if you don't have your finances in order, sometimes it's super embarrassing to go to a financial planner. It's almost like, or certified financial planner, it's almost like if you go to the doctor and you know you're drinking, smoking, and doing drugs, you know, that's embarrassing to go to the doctor and tell them that, you know, it's the same exact thing. If you're overspending, if you don't know what you've got, you know, pretty much if you don't know your numbers, you're probably not in a good good place. So I always tell people, all women should know their numbers. And what I mean by that is know your budget, of know what's coming in and what's going out every month. That's step one. You can't do anything if you don't know that. And then step two is know your net worth, which is your assets minus your liabilities equals your net worth. And everybody needs to know both of those two things. I think that that's such a great point right there that a lot of the time people are probably embarrassed. And so it keeps us just doing what we've been doing because we don't want to, we we don't want to address the problem. But such an important and key thing is so easy to do to feel in control and that's knowing your numbers like you said understanding your budget which is not the hardest thing in the world it just takes time and then knowing what your net worth is so i think that that's awesome yes and um anybody can do it i mean it's 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 adding and subtracting i mean so i mean it's super simple you know if you graduated from high school you could do it even if you didn't graduate from high school you could do it i mean it's that simple. So, I mean, we're not talking about advanced math here. Right, right. I'm always curious about personal responsibility and accountability. I think that those are two things which, if you're going to be successful at anything, you have to have. What or How do you think that that plays into to women in finance? Well, I just, that's my back to, you know, somebody else is going to take care of this for me. Mm. You know, if you, it depends. I mean, it's, maybe it's a generational thing because... Um, you know, I definitely think that the baby boomers hundred percent say somebody else is going to take care of this for me. Um, I think generation Xers, probably it's a little bit of a mix and I'm hoping that millennials and the next generation after that is thinking that they should do it themselves or be responsible for themselves. However, I recently did a, a talk at a, at a high school. It was a wealthy high school. And I asked the, the, the audience of the women, um, who were like, you know, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, around that age, all different grade levels. And I said, you know, how many of you in this room feel like that you'll be responsible for your own financial future? And maybe 10% of the hands went up. Oh, wow. 
So that was super depressing to me. And I don't know if it was just that they didn't want to put their hands up because they were embarrassed, which is another issue with women because they don't have the confidence. But that was a super low number. No kidding. So I was not happy with that. Right. <laughs> and and certainly for good reason. So, well, I I always have a lot of respect for people that have sit and, uh, taken the time to actually sit down and write a book because it takes a lot of time. And I think that one of the benefits to writing a book is a lot of introspection and thinking about what do I really think about these things. Have you considered what you want your legacy to be? Yes, absolutely. Um, I am nowhere near to scratching the surface, but I would like to have all women be responsible for their financial future and be excited and learn financial literacy. It's interesting because my book, which I wrote specifically for women to appeal to women, it's still difficult. It's a very narrow category, um, women in money, because most women are just not interested in it. So if there is a way I can get women interested in it and doing this and owning their financial future and not being in debt and not thinking somebody else is going to take care of it, then I think that that is what I would want my legacy to be. Nice. I think that that's great. Well, Carrie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Okay, so my difference-making tip and this is for everybody, women and men, is two, sort of twofold. Um, one is to always spend less than you make. And if you do, you will have financial freedom. That's number one. Number two is you need to own your financial future. Do not put it on somebody else. Well, that is great stuff. And that definitely gets a come on. Come on. So thank you so much for that. Uh, and Carrie, thank you for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Sure. So you can go to uh, CarrieCarbonaro.com is my website. You can also find me on social media at, at Twitter at Carrie Carbonaro, Facebook at Carrie Carbonaro, LinkedIn at Carrie Carbonaro, and my firm website is UnitedCP.com. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Carrie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Carrie. So welcome, George. Have a wonderful day. So glad to be here. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!